Thomas podcast. I'm Adam, joined by Josh Sclair. Josh, welcome. Uh, first time having you on the show. I mean, it's our second show anyway. Uh, normal <laughs> member of the team, but happy to have you on it. Happy to be here, Adam. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, we'll, we'll get into some of the research you've been doing in a little bit here. But first, let's jump into some more recent NBA news. It sounds like we could have, I guess, some sort of conclusion of the season, some sort of closure on the NBA season. Uh, what are your thoughts? I think that, you know, it's, you know, it's, I'm happy this is finally happening. You know, it's, people need their sports right now. And especially with what the heck's going on in yeah. other cities, they need Crazy. an escape. And you know, the only, the only thing I'm thinking about is, so how is this going to work exactly? Because they still don't have a, um, a definite date to start. It sounds like it's going to be July 31st, but I wanted to get your opinion on this because I think they, they could start somewhere like the week after July 4th, because I feel like July 31st is pretty darn late. Yeah. I mean, I guess it, it's going to take some time. You're going to have to get these guys uh, all quarantined and stuff. I think they're trying to be as precautious as possible. Yeah, I was a little disappointed if it's going to be late July. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of there with you. I think the most important aspects are just player safety and um, the fact that they can't even – save the season in some capacity is a win just given the circumstances there were certainly times when i had my doubts i actually thought it was doomed i thought there was no way that we were going to finish the season i thought it was going to be like the uh 1919 or whatever nhl season or whatever year that was in the no you got it you got it was it 1919 i believe it was yes somewhere around there uh but it'll be interesting you know potentially having 20 teams I like that idea, and I hope that they do it based on wins and losses, not just conference, because if you look at the Western Conference standings right now, it's actually a pretty good race, and there were teams that were starting to really kind of emerge as a dark dark horse uh, playoff contender, not a team that's going to win a championship or anything, but, you know, the Sacramento Kings had won seven of their last ten, and they had – it was kind of a three-way tie pretty much between the Blazers, the Pelicans, the Kings. They're all three and a half games behind Memphis. And Memphis was kind of on a slide. And so I hope that they do do something where Portland, New Orleans, Sacramento, and San Antonio all have a chance because the worst of those teams record-wise is the Spurs who are 27-36. and 36. And then when you look at the Eastern Conference, it just makes no sense to really give any of the teams below the Magic who are in that eight spot a chance. Like, they, frankly, they don't really deserve it. They probably weren't going to make it anyway. You have the Wizards, the Hornets, the Bulls, and the Knicks are the next four down. And uh, honestly, the Wizards are probably the best of the bunch there. But it's not good. <laughs> and I would way rather see if the Spurs can extend their playoff streak, see if Luke Walton and the Kings with a very fun young team can sneak in. Uh, and obviously the world wants to see Zion Williamson too. And so it would give him an a chance and the Pelicans a chance to compete. 
one of the, and I think one of the big things the NBA is considering, and that's one of the reasons they're having the 20 teams, I believe personally is because one of the big draws is Zion Williamson. And I think they want it. And I think they're thinking he's going to be one of our meal tickets and ratings wise coming in the next three, four, five years, for, you know, so, you know, if we're going to have a playoffs or we're going to have a system in place, if we can find a way to bring Zion Williamson in, that would be huge ratings wise when mm-hmm. we come back. Now, the only question is how exactly is this going to work? Are we going to have like a five game season or are we going to have the top 16 teams and then the other, t- and the other four teams play each other to try and get in the playoffs. That's what we, I feel like there's obviously they're still trying to figure out what exactly yeah. they're going to do, but I think that's what it sounds like they're going to do is a play in tournament perhaps. Yeah. It sounds like the restart plan uh, could be approved by Thursday is what I'm seeing. The latest on today is Saturday, uh, the 30th of May that we're recording. And so hopefully we'll be able to know soon, but there's just been so many plans and, you know, some are saying bring 22 teams to Disney world or whatever. And uh, there's different scenarios with play in games. There's kind of world cup style. There's all these different ways. And so uh, I don't think anyone knows other than the NBA brass, what's likely to actually happen. I think there's plenty of speculation of uh, how things could be done. However, things are done. I think, like I said, the most important thing is player safety, Uh, but then some sort of fairness would be good. And I think it's fair to the teams uh, that were kind of still fighting for their playoffs, playoff lives. Uh, Because you look at a team like the Pelicans who didn't have Zion Williamson, who is uh, sorry if this offends anyone, but he's not their best player. Brandon Ingram is their best player. Zion Williamson is probably their second best player though. And you don't have that guy for most of the year. And so the Pelicans are clearly a better team with him. And it kind of wouldn't be fair uh, because that would essentially mean that him missing the beginning of the season was a death sentence to their playoff hopes when really the Pelicans are a decent, super fast, and uh, at times an offensive powerhouse. Yeah, I mean, for the Pelicans, I mean, they've gotten, you know, they've still, the one thing about the Pelicans is they've still been kind of teetering since Zion got back. I'm actually looking at their um, record since he's gotten back. And it looks like they are about, they're about 10 and nine since he got back. So they've been getting better, but it's still not, I feel like at a level where you can say, oh my goodness, he's making this insane impact adding Michael Jordan to the Wizards in 2001, right. you know, 2002. But I think, you know, first of all, can I just say, I love watching him play. He's so incredible. He's so incredible. And being able – he it's like watching Shaq in the low post, basically, mm-hmm. because he's way too big. You can't guard the guy. I haven't seen anybody who's really been able to really hold him down in terms he's of – stronger than everyone he's, like, gone up against. With the wild thing that I've actually found is that he's only since he's come back, he's only had two games where he shot under 50%. And they were against the Bucks and the Lakers. So the two best defensive teams in the league. Exactly. So there's not so when you take that in consideration and you consider that this guy's averaging 24 and 7 the month of March before the season got shut down. I mean, take that as you will. This guy is in his first year 
and he's putting up insane numbers. And in my opinion, I think John Morant should win the rookie of the year. But yeah, I agree with that. Zion's playing. He's being. I I would you know I would give it to Ja because I think in terms of impact, he's made the most impact. And while and play, I, I think like playing most of the season is important. Right. And well, no, I think it should be. And I think because he's played the whole season, I think that is why he should win the he should win the rookie of the year. Number one, number two. Memphis was a terrible team last year. Yeah. Terrible. And now yeah. they've got and they're in the playoffs now because of this guy. I mean, when you're averaging 17 and a half, seven assists, that's an immediate impact. They had a very and they have a nice young nucleus there. Brandon Clark, very nice player. Dylan Brooks, great player. Jaron Jackson Jr., another great player. Yeah, but I really one, like his game. And I also love that they got, you know, even though they traded Marcus All, which had I think that was, you know, the right move. They were still able to get Jonas Valanciunas back. And Jonas Valanciunas He's having a great year. No scrub. He's yeah. no scrub. So they've got a nice young team. Do I think they can take that to a Western Conference Finals right now with those set up? I don't think so. But I think, you know, they might be able to make some noise in the next uh, next couple of years if they're able to add another piece. So I think that that's why John Morant is definitely the rookie of the year. But in terms of the person people want to watch the most, it's Zion. And if you can find a way to get that kind of guy back into the mix when you come back for the season, I think that's what you need to do. However, my personal opinion is, Stick to the 16 best teams, one through 16 style. I think that's just your best bet at this point because then not as many games, yeah. and then you can end the season as quickly as possible. Plus, you can play games throughout the day, which will also that's make the season point. a little bit – it'll make it a lot quicker instead of having to wait because you're not going to be able to wait with yeah. only one arena to play in. That's – yeah, that's a good point. And I'm sure they have, like, multiple courts or something. I've I've never been there personally. But I agree with what you're saying about the – uh, Memphis Grizzlies, John Moran, obviously the leader of that team, but just kind of a sneaky, really good squad. Dylan Brooks is an excellent addition. He's had a few really nice games this year. And uh, Brandon Clark, I love his future. That's a guy who can really play, almost, I, I'd like say three through five in today's day and age, you know, and so you'll see him kind of all over. Uh, I love Tyus Jones. He's just a – he's everything you want in a reserve point guard. Uh, and I think someone who can handle more responsibility if he is to be asked to do so. He, he's a guy who just limits his turnovers, gets the job done, and is a pretty good scorer too. And so, yeah, that's a good team. I think between Jackson, Clark, and Morant, you are looking at – one of the scariest teams in the NBA in about four years, maybe five. I would agree with that. And I think it's, you know, when you're just scratching the surface, that's when you really get to see what a team is all about. You know, I'm kind of like the Oklahoma city thunder. When we saw what they were doing with Westbrook, Harden and Durant, and we slowly, but surely like when they played the Lakers in the first round, and I believe they were the eight seed, I remember talking to my dad and I remember saying to him, this team's going to the finals in two years. You could just tell mm -hmm. they were all, they were in their first or second year, all 20, 21 years old. And they were all, and they were given the Lakers, the team that was going to the finals fits. Yeah. So still so sad. They never got to win a championship. Cause I felt yeah. like they would have. They could have stuck together. Anyway, switching gears here in some other recent basketball news, this is kind of put on hold. But the would-be 
I guess it's still the class of 2020, right, for the Hall of Fame. I really don't understand how that works. I'm uh, sure they'll probably do it in September or October, maybe well, November, th- but they just won't have people there. Yeah, I, I think I saw it was going to be pushed back to 2021. Really? Um, yeah, so I think they might just combine. But regardless, a very uh, exciting list. Uh, just to go on three of those guys, Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, and Kevin Garnett, all going to the hall. Man, that's our childhood right there. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, I mean, what can you say about these three guys? Three of the – I would argue three of – at multiple different instances, three of the five best players in the league, you could argue, at different times. 0304, easily could argue they were three of the five best players in the league. Yeah, 0304, shoot, you could make the argument that they were the, like, three best. I would. I, you know what? I probably would agree with that. 0203, 0304. I would probably say it was those three, McGrady and Shaq. Those yeah. are the five best players in the league at that point for those two, two, for those two years. And when you look at a guy like Tim Duncan, you know, just fundamentally sound. And there's a reason they called him the big fundamental. He, mm-hmm. Everything he did, he did it right. You needed a pick, he could make the pick. You needed him to pop out and shoot the three. If you had to, he could do it or hit the 18 to 20 footer. Yeah, he good mid range. Post game, great mid range. He didn't have the best hops, but he, you know, Wes Unsell didn't need him either, and he did just fine, and neither did Tim Duncan. And the impact that he was able to have to win five championships. Now, you can't do it without a great supporting cast, but mm-hmm. without Tim Duncan, there is no dynasty in San Antonio. That is for. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And just the portrait of consistency for much of his career, uh, from 1997-98, his rookie season, all the way to 2009-2010, he had at least 10 rebounds a game. He never had le- – his final year, he had seven rebounds per game and eight points. And so, uh, you know, 39-year-old Tim Duncan was still serviceable, but – I mean, frankly, there was even a substantial drop-off from the year before with him where he was like 14 points and nine rebounds. Uh, But prime Tim Duncan, I mean, everything, like you said, everything you want in a power forward. And in my opinion, the best ever at that position. But this is a guy who was, you know, the best shot blocker in the league for years. And one of the best rebounders and unbelievable passer for a big and obviously no slouch scoring either. And I love that Tim Duncan just, he was never trying to get attention. You know, he got the attention because he was a really good player, but he never was reveling in the limelight. You know what I mean? Like he just went out, he did his job and he never missed the playoffs. Not once his whole career. Yeah, and one of the reasons that I think he's one of the best ever is when the t- when it was time to step up, he always stepped up. I'll never forget that game, Game Seven against the Clippers in 2015. He's 38 years old. He's on his last legs. He goes out in Game Seven. He puts up 27 and 11. Wow, that's clutch. That's a clutch basketball player. And his 2002-2003 run is one of the greatest playoff performances and playoff runs in NBA history. It's one of the top 10 for sure. 25 point, just under 25 points per game. Shot 53% from the field, 
15 rebounds, five assists, and three and just under three and a half blocks a game. Wow. I mean, talk if you want to talk about impact, that's what else could you ask for from a player but that? Yeah, and I mean, you talk about the kind of players you're looking to build your team around. One of the reasons Duncan's near the top of my list all time is just because everything he does makes your team better and he doesn't have any weaknesses really. Uh, I mean, even it, today, like, I mean, Duncan was never an elite three point shooter. Let's say, you know, he shot 18% on his career. <laughs> like you said, he, he would every once in a while knock down a three, but you could put that dude at center uh, and plug him into any team in the NBA and that team would be better. Uh, and I'm talking like you could – you put prime Tim Duncan in the NBA right now. He is the best center in the league, and it's it's not close. Like, who, who's who's next? Like, Embiid and Jokic? No, Tim Duncan no. would be the best player out of that. Like, I like Jokic, but if Tim Duncan's guarding him one-on-one, he's going to have a hard night. He's going to yeah. have a rough night. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's move on to one of the greatest rivals. Uh, so, a dude who always was challenging Tim Duncan and – also played till he was not 39 years old. KG, man. Mm. One of the meanest dudes ever to lace him up. And that was my favorite thing about him. He just played with a certain mean streak, a certain spunk. And you could see the fury in the way he played. He played with his heart on his sleeve. He played harder than everyone on the floor every single game of his career. And this is a dude who, at, before every game, would hit his head on the scran- on the scansion yeah. of, like, of the hoop. So you knew, okay, I'm not going to mess with this guy. Yeah, this guy's The crazy. only person I've ever seen get in, into it with him is David West. And you don't mess with David West either. Yeah, yeah, so, that's a big boy. So, I mean, just the impact this guy had was absolutely insane. From 2002 to 2006 – or how about this? This guy averaged at least five assists from 1999 to 2005. He averaged at least five assists a game. Yeah. For it, a, power a power forward. forward yeah. <laughs> that's pretty incredible. incredible. Shot just under 50% from the field, 22 and a half points, just under 13 rebounds. Also led the league in rebounds per game four years in a row from his MVP season until 2007. He led the NBA in rebounds per game. The guy was fearless on the court, and whenever you needed a big bucket, you could always count on KG. And when Boston, and Boston, you could argue he was, you know, one of the leaders. I mean, it, it was probably Paul Pierce's team, but still, I think Garnett they was had the best presence, player. Yeah, they don't win a championship without Garnett's fierce demeanor. Not. Absolutely not. And another thing that I loved is that. When he, they would play Miami, when you have a guy like KG out there, he's not going to be scared of LeBron. LeBron's scared of him because mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't mess with KG. These guys are fearless competitors, and and he wasn't scared of LeBron because he knocked them out of the playoffs, I believe, two years. I believe, was it two years in a row? Oh, no, that was my Magic, and then he knocked them out in 2010. I mean, he definitely – there were a few years – I don't remember off the top of my head, but there were a few years where, yeah – I mean, that's why Miami – LeBron even happened, you know, because KG and the big three in Boston, they 
you know, they had to call for reinforcements. LeBron had to call for reinforcements. Yeah, he did. And it, then great performance against Jason Terry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> oh, my I just like to point out. I just like to point out lowest points in a finals game. LeBron 8, Michael Jordan 22. I'm just going to say that right now. I like that. I like that. We're, we're uh, Jordan goaters here. Yes, we uh, are. <laughs> Yeah, KG, I got a quick story about KG. So I was oh, a sophomore in high school, maybe a freshman in high school. And so Bulls, Celtics. And what I used to do when I was a kid is I would get the nosebleed seats, but then I would sneak down to be like fourth row. You know what I mean? So I would like use the vantage point to be like, oh, I see that like no one's been sitting there. I'm going to go sneak past the usher. <laughs> and so that's what I would do. And so me and my friend get so close to the Celtics bench that we can hear them. And so the Bulls are doing a really nice job. That's like that really tough John Salmons, you know, I think maybe Rookie D Rose, like, but it's like a scrappy Bulls team, you know what I mean? And the Bulls look like they might pull up and win this one. And so they call a timeout, Doc calls timeout. And KG, you see him just like, looks like a man possessed walking towards the huddle and he and we can swear on here <laughs> just so you know and he yeah. says let's win this motherfucker <laughs> and i'm like i look Sounds at my like friend KG. and he looks at me and we're like i think the celtics are gonna win this motherfucker <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and they did win that motherfucker <laughs> the celtics came storming back and they win that game but that's the kind of presence he had and uh, that's one of my all-time favorite sports memories, hearing Kevin Garnett say mofo. I mean, you talk about a guy who, if you've ever watched, I believe it's him playing one-on-one with the 2000 USA team. He was the best player on that team. If you really had to think about it, like in terms – I mean, if you look at him playing one-on-one, I've seen him play one-on-one. That jump shot of his going over his head, 6'11", probably has like a seven four wingspan point great handles you're not gonna you're not gonna block that yeah he had one of those unblockable fadeaways post fades in the league and he was able to use that to consistently you know maintain his, he was for longevity it really helps when you have those kinds seven of five fades. wingspan i just looked seven it up. five good yeah. goodness gracious oh my goodness it's just the impact is undeniable yeah and the thing that Really upset me is just the significant drop off that he had once he got to Brooklyn. It was honestly it was really shocking to me. I thought he would come in and he would make a much higher impact, but it was Paul Pierce who actually was the one who made the biggest impact. And KG was kind of relegated to fourth or fifth option on that team, and I was very stunned when that happened. And he was never the same player after that. And he and even before they went to Brooklyn. He averaged 15 and 8 the year before. So he was not slouching by any means, which is why I was so shocked when that happened. But still, one yeah. of the best players in NBA history. No Without question a doubt. about it. Uh, and finally, maybe saving the best for last. Personally, I'd probably have, of the three, Tim Duncan. Uh, but a lot of people think this guy is, uh, I mean, some people think this is the best player of all time, Kobe Bryant. I'm not going that far. I'm not going that far either. I think he's the second best shooting guard of all time, and that's pretty good. I'd agree uh, with that. D-Wade's third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but 
shoot, man, five championships for Kobe, 12-time All-Defense, four-time All-Star MVP, uh, regular season MVP once, uh, finals MVP twice, 15 times All-NBA, two-time scoring champion, scored 81 points in a game. I mean, like, there's nothing we can say that hasn't been said. And obviously this year has been a year where we've really uh, embraced Kobe Bryant, especially since his uh, unfortunate passing. But, wow, man, just to look back at how incredible he was his entire career. I mean, the guy came in at 18 years old, uh, didn't do a ton, averaged about eight points per game. But then from then on, he was an all-star almost every single year. The only year he wasn't was the lockout year. And I don't even know if they had an all-star game or how that worked. Uh, I don't think they did. I actually don't think they did. I don't believe they did that year in particular. Because yeah. I don't think it would have worked. But Because Duncan wasn't there either. So, right. so they probably didn't have one. The thing about Kobe Bryant is what, how, how, he would have been the all-time scoring leader if, if he hadn't torn his Achilles. I mean, yeah. the guy was averaging 27 points a game. At 34 years old, he was still one of the That's best. A really good five, point. Five best players in the league comes back out of retirement. He's not. He's not the same player. Or and, out of but, uh, back from the injury. You mean? Yeah, I mean he he scored 22 points a game in 2015, but on 37 percent shooting. Mm-hmm. And it was really those last you know those last two years. It was tough because you could see he didn't have the athleticism anymore. But the fact that he came back and was still doing what he was doing. And the fact that he had the savage, the savage level was still an all-time high. Like, I'll give you a great one. This is from Jeremy Lin. Jeremy Lin. So, Kobe was rehabbing his shoulder. And they hadn't seen him in a while. And he walks into practice. And everyone's going, yo, Kobe! And Kobe, stone face. Stone face, killer face. He just looks at everyone and goes, oh, I'm just looking at you guys because uh, a bunch of you fuckers are getting traded tomorrow. Oh. I just wanted to say goodbye. <laughs> he oh, walks out of the goodness. gym. Oh, that is ruthless. <laughs> Mob mentality, you know. I don't, look, here's the thing. We know George would say some shit like that. We know yeah. that. He yeah. said that to Brad. I remember Brad Sellers was laughing about, hey, Michael, they've got you in trade rumors. And Michael goes, we'll see about that. The next day, Brad Sellers got traded. <laughs> yeah, no one's trading Jordan. No one's trading Kobe. They almost did in 1989 or 88, I believe. They almost did to the Clippers. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm glad that didn't happen. That would have been the dumbest thing. <laughs> because, you know, thing. Rick Smith would have been a great pick. Oh, God. Oh, oh it disgusts me to, even to think about it. I know. Uh, me too. <laughs> anyway. Like, yeah, let's try and train Michael Jordan for Rick Smith. I'm, I was, I'm thinking only Jerry Krause could think of that. Yeah, I, probably because he didn't like Michael Jordan because he called him – like uh crumbs as we found out in the documentary that was one of the i like felt bad for jerry cross so i'm like dude these guys are like actually pretty mean to him if someone called me crumbs man first of all i deserve it because i always have crumbs on my shirt but... oh no we should call him by his real name <laughs> boss Swackhammer. oh my goodness oh my goodness <laughs> let's be honest that Probably. character was made as jerry cross that was jerry yeah. you know yeah. Yeah, we need and I guarantee no like, attractions. Short, he's like, I want a short, fat, bald alien. Yeah. That's what I want. And I'm sure that's what he told me. Unbelievable. 
I didn't uh, put two and two together till till the documentary. And I thought, oh, my wait God. a minute, that looks a lot like Swackhammer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> man. Uh, so to round this one out, you've been working in the dark. You've been working pretty hard, yeah, and uh, one of the segments. And so I'm finishing up editing uh, the first episode of this segment that's going to be on uh, YouTube. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, not on YouTube, it's on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, so no, look for that on YouTube, the basketball <laughs> time machine. And so we're finishing up with Dr. J. So I won't talk more about Dr. J because that's coming up. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to get that done this weekend. A ton of editing with the video. Uh, but Jerry Sloan, man, you have been kind of in the lab learning about Jerry Sloan. And so don't give away too much because we got a whole show on them coming up. But what are your early impressions? What were your impressions going in? What do you think so far? I This is a guy that was made to play in Chicago. Love Absolutely. That. I mean, the guy, I was watching on the butt on the stationary bike when I was doing uh, working out this morning. He misses a shot off the front of the front end of the rim. First guy there to get the offensive rebound. Now, he got called for the over-the-back foul. But he was the first guy there to get the rebound. Wow. He never stopped hustling every single play. He played 48 minutes of basketball. And that's what I love. And, if, and watching him play with that Bulls team, he was the heart and soul of that team. He was the leader of that team. And they played with a style that fit exactly like he played. Defensive mentality, hustle for every ball, get, all the, those, get every 50-50 ball, and that was how they won a lot of games was scrap. They would have to scrap for victories usually because mm-hmm. they were, if you really look at, you know, the way everything is in the league, there's tier one teams who have the best players. Mm-hmm. And then there's those tier two teams who they may be a great they, team. Yeah. They might win 57 games. Could beat they anybody. Don't have that guy. Probably not going to win the championship. No. And so they were able to finally get nearly over the hump once Kareem lost, once Oscar Robertson went tired, once the Lakers were gone, then they got there. Unfortunately, ran into a great Golden State Warriors team with Jamal Wilkes, Ch- Clifford Ray, Rick Barry, who, by the way, we got to do a show on him. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. Just the video you oh sent me today. Oh, my goodness. Rick is he looks insanely like- good. But just I'll give you one little tidbit fact I found out about this guy. Led Evansville to two Division II national championships in college. Wow, okay, okay. So you know this guy makes his impact. I was listening to a podcast about Jerry Sloan uh, with, I think it was Jeff Locke, and it was on Locked On Jazz. And I did not realize this dude grew up a poor farmer. And he he had to walk like three miles to go play and, uh, or to get to basketball practice. And a meal wasn't a guarantee. Uh, you know, he was poor. And I think that you see how tough he is as a coach, how, you know, I remember him. And then seeing some of this footage as I go back for the first time to really kind of immerse myself and learn more about him so we can do our show on him. It makes sense that this dude had a little bit of a rough upbringing where he was tough. He was humble, and no matter what, he was just gonna he was gonna play harder than you. And I think that's why he's such a great rebounder 
And one of the things I didn't realize until I kind of started to dig in with him is, I mean, one of the best rebounding guards of all time. A hundred percent. No question. I think there was a game he had 21 boards against uh, the Lakers in 71. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is he played and I think he took what he had for his upbringing and I think it really made an impact on him. And he said, I am going to play every game like, you know, it's, you know, I'm going to make sure that I don't, you know, have to go back. You know, I'm not, I'm, there's no way I'm going back to, it's McLeansboro, Illinois. I have never heard of McLeansboro, Illinois in my life. Yeah. But I sure as heck, it does not sound like a place I want to go back to. It's not Chicago, I'm sure. No, it is not. It sounds like Bumblefuck, Illinois. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, <laughs> yeah, way, way out there. And um, it's got to be just... southern. You know what? Let me, let me look where it is, actually. Yeah, I bet that's got to be somewhere in the middle of the state, would be my guess. It's in Hamilton County, so it's way down there, I think. That's way down south. Oh, okay, southern Illinois. Interesting. Yeah, it's, so it's it is it's actually very close to St. Louis, believe it or not. It's probably like an hour and a half away from St. Louis. Okay, okay, yeah, way down there. At the very southern part of Illinois, it looks like. One of the things I wish that we had access to while we break down Sloan's game is they didn't track blocks and steals. For some of his career. However, in his last two of his – so in 73-74 – he averaged 2.4 in 74-75, 2.2. Yeah, so imagine him like when he's in his mid-20s, when he's awesome. having his career highs and, you know, rebounds and points and stuff like that. I bet he would have been just a dynamite steals guy. And uh, that's one of the challenges as we kind of do the, the time machine. But we'll get a good feel for that. Uh, we probably won't. We, there's no possible way to get numbers, but we'll be able to get a good feel for that. And um, it's going to be really fun to kind of look at some of this tape and then see who he reminds me of. Uh, I mean, just right off at one of the guys I saw, I was like, shoot, maybe Russell Westbrook. You know what I mean? Just because of the rebounding. Uh, the I, don't think I think he, Russell Westbrook has that kind of mentality. He plays yeah. every game. Just the aggression yeah. that he plays with. Because he played so insanely hard every game. And that was one of the things I love about Russell Westbrook is he does not take a play off. He's mm -hmm. always hustling out there. And he always plays at 100 miles an hour. And so did Jerry Sloan. You got to love it. You got to love it. Uh, well, I think that's all we got today, my guy. Any uh, closing thoughts? Happy to be brought on. And I'm looking forward to more doing more episodes with you, brother. Absolutely. And I do want to uh, give a quick shout out because we just got, I sent it to you. No one's seen this yet, except for a handful of people, but we just got our new logo today. Oh, and let me just say, folks, it is a beautiful logo. That thing is beautiful. I cannot wait for our fans to see the logo because they will really love it. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. Uh, yeah, Evan... Butrus is my guy. Uh, he helped me get that one together. And so huge shout out to him. And I'm just going to pull up where you can find his work. And so 
uh, if you're looking to have any logo work done, hopefully he can help you out. And so his website is evanb.work. His IG handle, The Wax Cowboy. Uh, and so go give him a follow. Check out some of his work. He did a fantastic job on the Hoopstradamus logo. And uh, we really appreciate that work. Uh, really went above and beyond. Even provided us with fonts and everything. So if you're looking for any graphic design help, uh, man, I would highly recommend hitting up Evan. Once again, his website is www.evanb.work or you can find him on Instagram, the wax cowboy, uh, super good guy and uh, super talented artist. So, so big shout out to him. Big shout out to Evan did an amazing job. I'm going to go over and I'm going to check out his, more of his work right after this, actually. So let's get some t-shirts. <laughs> you know what? I'm not, that's a good move. It's a good looking logo, dude. It should that be a t-shirt. Now what do we use? Do we use custom ink for that? Ah, uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah, I know we will. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Anyway, thanks so much for uh, joining us on another episode of Hoopstradamus. More fun coming soon. Uh, we'll have Dr. J, Basketball Time Machine. That's episode one of the Basketball Time Machine coming up soon. And then episode two, we're about to really dig in deep. These take time. We research for weeks before we put these out, and it's going to be a blast. So, uh, Josh, thanks again for hopping on. Uh, thanks for everyone for listening. Give us a little rating. Uh, we're just on Spotify right now as we get things going. But uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.